Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 4. If you, want to, if you guys want to turn there, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 11, I believe is what I put up there. All right, here we go. Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the, under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. Verse 8, but in the past, since you did not know God, you were enslaved to the things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You are observing special days, months, seasons, and years. I am fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. Today, when we look at Galatians chapter 4, 1 through 11, what, what, I, what I pull out of there, we talked about it Wednesday night, but what I really feel and pull out is like, man, we are no longer slaves. We are sons. And if sons, then we are heirs. And I think so many times we operate from a slave mentality instead of a son mentality. You see that, that a slave seeks the approval of the master. Or a slave works for the master, but yet a son rests in the work of the father. A slave works for the approval of the master, and a son rests in the work of the father. Uh, grow, grew up in, in a small town, live, live in the same small town that I grew up in, and there, there are certain benefits to growing up in a small town Someone that's not a benefit is everybody knows everything that you do, you know, or your parents know it before you even get home, you know, and you think you got away with something. But one of the benefits was uh, as a son, I got to rest in the work of my father. My, my dad did such a good job, him and my mom, of just providing, of doing things. And I, I can remember my dad owned, owned a, a business there in Strawn. And man, I mean, I could just pull up and I'd be like, Hey, I'm going to grab this. And they're like, oh, yes, uh, we got it. Just take it. Just sit there. We, we'll get it. You know, you have these guys just loading up your truck with things. And you're like, seriously, I can get it. And they're like, no, no, it's okay. I think so many times we, we try to do all the things ourselves. And we don't really rest in the work that's already been done for us. And so we go back to this slave mentality. You see, slaves were bound by sin and help, held captive by their own desires. It says that, that when, we were, when we were children, we were in slavery under the elements of the world. 
But as sons, we've been set free from the power and the pleasure and the punishment of sin to where we don't have to strive and work and try to earn salvation anymore. We don't have to strive and work for salvation, but we don't have to strive and work for the approval of our Father. That we get to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and by there we are approved by the Father. Your approval is not anything to do with you. Your approval has everything to do with the finished work of the cross. He was the pure, perfect sacrifice, which now makes you, it says that the word says that you are now declared the righteousness of God so that you can be presented to him as pure and blameless and spotless. And so we're going to begin to look at, at that. What does that mean to be a son? What does that, how does that change my life? How does that change my thoughts and my words and my actions? To walk as a son of God, not a slave. Not only to sin, but a slave to God. Because we even treat our relationship with God as, as if we're slaves to him. Like we have to work, work, work for his approval. We're, we're afraid of what's going to happen if we don't meet the quota of the day. Is the master going to beat us? But a son rests in the work of the father. Three things that we're going to look at is that when we become a son, we, we receive a new identity, a new hope, and a new purpose. Our identity is not just a name change. When we talk about that we have now been, we are no longer a slave, that we are a son, that we've been adopted in, into uh, as sons. And because you are sons, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and our hearts cry, Abba, Father. You see that we have been adopted as sons. That we were not biological, but we've been adopted as sons. And it's not just a name change that happens. We don't just become a, a, a Christ follower a Christian, which means to become like Christ. It's so much more than that. To become a son means that we get a new identity, that we get at the very core of who we are. We become somebody else. You know, you, you watch movies and, and, you know, someone has to flee law enforcement or whatever, and it's like they get a new identity. And it's like they don't just change their name. But, but they go and they get new license, new passports. They, they, they have to develop a backstory of all the, of where they've been. Because just to be a name change, well, that can be debunked very easily. It's, it's not that difficult to figure out, especially nowadays. A quick Google search will find out if you're who you are or not. So you have to go back all the way and erase everything else so that the new person can be brought forth to life. And you have to become that one person. And the same way is with us that we have been adopted as sons. We, it's not like, a, and I, we go over this a lot, like it's not that we try to become a better version of ourselves. Clinton, you're not supposed to just become Clinton 2.0 and be the best Clinton that you can be so that you can be a son. No, like Clinton has to die so that the Clinton that the Lord has created can come to life so that Christ can live in you. But you have to die. And you remember when he's talking to a teacher of the law, and I believe it's John chapter 3, and he's like, hey, was it, Nicod was it Nicodemus? Nicodemus, it's like, hey, what do we have to do for eternal life? He's like, you just got to be born again. He's like, man. And this is a teacher of the law, and the teacher of the law is like, like what, we got to go back into our mother's womb? Like, what? How can that happen? And he goes, what? 
are you talking about, Nicodemus? Like, you know, it's like you've got to be born again. You cannot just be recreated, redeveloped yourself. You have to die to yourself so that the new identity of who Christ has created you to be, so that you're made into the image of the Father. You see, we are, we are made in his likeness. And that's, what, that's the, the passage that says that, that we are transformed from glory to glory. That, that as, as if we're looking into a mirror, as we see him, we are transformed into that glory. We come into his likeness because we get a new identity. We have to die to ourselves, surrender to ourselves, surrender our lives to him so that he can live in us and a new identity who he has created in us to be. Because you're, I'm, I'm going to tell you, your new identity is crucial to your family. They, they do not need my family does not need Jeff Hopkins to strive and try to work and try to break free from all of my sin and addictions and troubles all by myself because it will never happen. I have to die to myself and it starts by going, Lord, I'm not you. I cannot do this and I was never intended to. I think it's Ephesians. Ephesians even says that from the beginning of time, Jesus was set aside for this purpose. So it wasn't even like Adam and Eve sinned and God's like, oh man, okay, let's see what else can we make happen here. From the beginning of time, this was set in place. You were never meant to do it on your own. You were never supposed to strive to earn it. There was always somebody planned to come and save you. It has to be a complete and total change. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that, that we are a new creation in Christ. That the old has passed away. We have to surrender to our old ways and our old habits. We have to really be crucified with him. I think Galatians 6.14 says that, we have been, that, that I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. We have to come to that place where the world has no hold on us. Where, where no matter what comes against us, it doesn't prevail, because not because of me, but because of Christ that's living in me and the identity that I walk with as a son. Because it's never about me, it's about him. It, it's that he substituted himself for me. That he took on my sin so that I could live. And so what I'm saying is that we have to walk in the boldness of the new identity that God has given us, and that is as a son we have to mature into that calling that he's given us. Really, the difference in, this is obviously not talking about anything that's happened in our country's history or in the world's history, but the difference in a slave and a son is maturity. Chapter, 20, chapter 3 of Galatians, verse 27, right, right above that, it says, For those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There's no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed according to the promise. And he says, Now, I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. The child that has the inheritance doesn't get the inheritance until he reaches maturity until then he's placed under guard as a uh, he's placed under the, the a guardianship or a trustee and in the same way that when we are like child children when we are immature 
then even though that inheritance is there for us, we will never be able to attain it because we're being too immature about it. You see, there's a difference in a child and a son. A child is immature who hasn't received their inheritance, but a son is a mature follower of Christ that's walking in his inheritance. A child and a slave, have there, there's no difference, it says. Because even though the child has everything available, they have no ownership of it. And it comes back to our maturity. Sonship is about maturity, walking in who, who he's called us to walk in. When we look, it says that, that we have been adopted to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And this, this Wednesday, we were just talking about what does, what does adoption look like? First of, all, first of all, it's permanent. Especially in the day where, I, I know nowadays you can go through the process of that, but, but in the day that, that Paul is writing this to the churches in Galatia, he's writing in the Romans, if you were adopted, it was permanent. There, there was no, oh, I changed my mind. Oh, I made a bad decision. Oh, he or she is too, too much for me to handle. My family's not handling it well. No, the adoption was permanent. There was no going back. That speaks to us. When we are adopted as sons of God, it's permanent. It says that no, no man will snatch you out of his hands. There, there's, you can get into some theological stuff, and, and one thing that, that always gets thrown is the, the once saved, always saved. And he's like, well, how does that relate to that then, Jeff? If that's what you're saying, if adoption is permanent. Well, what I'm saying is that that theology has been based off of what we assume is a, is a sincere uh, surrendering of our lives. We, we say, oh, well, I've seen people walk away, or they, they gave up, they walked away from the faith, they gave it up. And, and I would say, that's, what, that's why it's best to leave the judging of the hearts to the Father and not to us. Because it says that we've been adopted as sons, and once you're adopted, it is permanent. It is immediate. You are, when we are adopted as sons of God, it is immediate. There's no, I have to, I, I, like I have to earn my trust with God. I, I have to earn my way into the family. You are into the family immediately. When you put your faith in him, when you are clothed with Christ, when you're baptized, when all those, when, when that's it, man, it, it's immediate. You are a son at that moment and you have full access to the father. The other one is it's completely it is permanently, immediately, and completely. You have complete access to everything that the Father has. There's a, uh, it's, a it's a book, but probably most of y'all have seen, or maybe most of y'all, uh, the movie Ben-Hur. Y'all, y'all seen that? Probably the 1959 version, Charleston Heston, right? Ben-Hur, Judah Ben-Hur. And, and you, look at, you look at the story through this where where he got accused of something improperly, he got imprisoned. He was actually on a boat for three years as a slave. They went into battle. The ship sank. The, uh, the, the general was like, oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to die because we lost the battle. Ben-Hur saves 
the general Quintus Arius saves them. They didn't lose the battle. They actually won the battle. Quintus Arius, the general, he gets taken back and he's the hero. And no one knew that he saved his life, that Ben-Hur saved his life, that the slave did that for the general. It goes on sometime later where Quintus Arius adopts him and he receives full sonship. And he said, if I have anything left, it goes to him. It goes to this story of when we are adopted, it is completely, it is immediately, and it is forever, permanently. You, when you walk as a son, you're a son. We talk about that Wednesday, and then I, this weekend, I was just thinking about that. And we always, we look at it from the point of the, of the parent. You're always his son, you're completely his son, and you're immediately his son. And then it... I felt like the Lord said, yeah, same goes for you. That when we are adopted as sons, we are to act as if it's permanent. How flippant are we with our adoption as sons? Where one day we want to be a son, oh, and then here comes a temptation, so I'm going to act like I'm not a son, and I'm going to go back to being a slave, and I'm going to give in to that temptation. You see, not only is it permanent on his part, but it should be permanent on our part. Because if it's not, then it might not be adoption yet. You might just be going to church. It's completely. He gave everything for you, and he gave you complete access to him. All that he requires is complete access to you. We look at it from the father's perspective, but as the son that's coming into the family, I get to go, I give you all that I have. I'm not holding anything back from you. To be adopted as a son of God means that everything that we have, we give to him, the good, the bad, the ugly. And it's immediate. There's this process of Getting, growing closer to the Lord, becoming like him. I think a problem in the church right now is we've allowed that process to, to extend quite a bit longer. What is that called? Not justification, but I'm, sanctification. Man, I should have written these down. I don't know big words. So. Sanctification. We've allowed the sanctification process to be a lifelong thing. When it was never intended for that. When you gave your life to, to the Lord here, there was a chance you were beaten that day. Rejected that day. Kicked out that day. So it was immediate. You began to live like him right then. He called his disciples, hey, come follow me. They dropped their nets and they followed him immediately. They didn't, I mean, what Jesus talks about, like, the cost of being his disciple in Luke. It's like, hey, let me, let me go here. Let me go, go uh, bury my dad. Oh, okay, yeah, no. If you do that, don't even worry about it. We've allowed ourselves to think that that sanctification process is a lifelong process. You talk to the pastors in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in China. That justification process is seconds. 
Because at that moment, when they, when they give their life to him, they're completely sold out and there's no going back. For us, we get to flirt with it here in America. We get to go, oh, I'll, I'll be a son, I'll be a slave, I'll be a son, I'll be a child, I'll be mature, I won't be mature, I'll be free from sin, I'll go be bound by sin. And we just say, oh, it's okay. I mean, and we, we say it all the time, oh, those are just my demons that I got to work with. You know, that, that's, what, that's my demons and I'm working on them. No. There's no excuse because it's the finished work of the cross. And I'm saying that and I'm saying it to myself. So don't feel like I'm preaching to you. Y'all might all be there. I'm not there. And so I'm really bashing myself right now and going, man, I've given myself an excuse for far too long to be an immature baby when I'm called to be a son. We would rather be immature children and be bound. It says that we're slaves to the elements of this world. We would rather be bound to the things of this world than to be free and be a son. He says it later on in uh, verse 11. Like, why are you going back to the weak and worthless elements? What are you doing? It's the same thing. Why do we go back to those things? Because we're immature. We don't realize that we have a new identity in Christ. We think we're the same person, but yet we're not. That person has to die. When the man encountered him in John chapter 9, the man born blind, it says that when he encountered Jesus, the people that knew him his entire life didn't even recognize him. Why? Because the man died and Christ was living in him. There should be people in your life that don't even recognize you anymore. Because you should be so different from the way you are. I should be so different from the way that I was before Christ. If I'm not, then I'm walking as an immature child and not as a mature son of God. Let's see if we can get a little happier here. We have a new identity in Christ. We are sons of God. But not only that, we have a new hope. You see, before Christ... We were hopeless, not just to sin, but to death. I mean, I say it a lot. Death has nothing on me. What's the fear in death? If you feel like you're going to go to the unknown, then yeah, you should be afraid. But if you know that death means union and communion that you've never experienced with the Father then why are we afraid of death? Because we're going to miss one another? No, you're not going to miss me. You're not going to ask for another chance to come see Jeff. And I'm not going to ask it for you. Maybe my wife is saying no. Like, I'm not going to ask to come see you again. I'm not going to care. I'm going to have my glorious body. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's going to be glorious. And I'm going to be before the Father. I'm going to spend hours a day in worship, consumed at the thoughts and the pictures of him. What? Death? I can't wait. What? We want to see another election? You want to see, you want to see them bring something else out, a new gadget? You want them, what, what are they going to do that's going to wow us to try to keep us here? And wouldn't it just be better to just be with him? 
have hope. The threat of sin and of death. Not only death has nothing on me, sin. I'm not there yet. But sin, before we were powerless, we were a slave to it. But now we're a son. The fullness that was in Jesus Christ is in us. And sin has no rule over us anymore. Sin cannot rule our mortal bodies anymore. We have dominion over it. But when we walk as an immature child, it will rule over us. When we walk as a confident son, we'll be free from the pleasure, the power, and the punishment of it. It's like watching a game that's already happened. There's no fun in that, is there? If you know the score, at the end of the game, you know Texas is going to win. It's the same thing like next week against OU. They don't need watching. We're going to win, so don't even watch it. But if you know the score at the end of the game, it's so fun to enjoy the game. Because I'm not worried. Oh, they turned the ball over. I don't care. We won 40 to 14. Who cares? That, that interception, yeah, I'm mad, but it doesn't matter. It's the same thing if I know that my, my end result, that as, as I have a new hope that is eternal life, oh, I'm sick, doesn't matter. I know where I'm going. Oh, I have cancer, it doesn't matter. I know where I'm going. My wife doesn't want to see me again even though she's in heaven. It doesn't matter because I know where I'm going. It doesn't matter. My kids have run astray. They left the Lord. My heart on earth will hurt, but it doesn't matter because my hope is in nothing on this earth. It doesn't matter. Because our hope is in that eternal life that the, for God so loved this, the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. So my hope now as a son is eternal life. None of this matters. It's going to surpass all of our earthly desires and pleasures. The coldest Dr. Pepper's got nothing on it. Man. Can you just imagine how good it is going to be? Even that Dublin. I mean, it, it, it pales in comparison. This earth has nothing. You put your hope on this earth. We have a new hope as a son and it's eternal life with him. Not only that, but it says that. And because you are sons, God get, sent the spirit of his son. We have hope because we don't have to do it alone. He sent the Holy Spirit with us. To be with us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. It does the work in us. We have a new hope because before we were slaves and powerless to sin, but now we have eternal life. We have the Holy Spirit. We have forgiveness uh, with, with God. We have peace with God, forgiveness of God, forgiveness of sins, peace with God. Like we've been made right with him. What great hope is that? Before we were hopeless. As a child and as a slave, you have no hope. I'm not talking about in real life. This is in the scripture. right? You have no hope. But as a mature son of God, you have hope because of those things that are out in front of you. We have closeness with God. 
I mean, what, what beautiful thing is it? And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. A son has access to the father. A slave will never feel like he can talk to the father, to the master. But a son has complete access to the father at all times. Our pastor at the Brock campus says it all the time. You're as close to God as you want to be. And I love it when he says it, but I hate it when he says it to him because it's so true. There is nothing holding me back. There's no veil. There's no barrier. I'm as close to him as I want to be. And if I'm not as close, if I'm not where I want to be with him, it's my fault. Because he's done everything and he's, he's made himself available to draw near to him. The last one is we have a new purpose. Where before our life was slaves to sin, slaves to the elements of the world. Our, before Christ, our purpose is pretty much us and our flesh to do whatever pleases me to build my kingdom. But now that we're in Christ, we have a new purpose because we no longer live for ourselves, but that we are to live lives that are pleasing to him. It's not just enough to be called a son of God. But we have to walk that out now. This is where it really like, okay, new identity, great. We have new hope, great. But today, this afternoon, are you going to walk in that new purpose that he's given you? Are you going to walk in the boldness of a son? Are you going to walk in the confidence of the new hope? And are you going to live a life on purpose for him? Because you can go about this world and do all the things that the world says to do, and you can live a life without purpose. You can become the CEO of the biggest company in the world, and you can live a life that's without purpose. To live a life on purpose means to love one another. Jesus said it in John 13, yeah, John 13, 34, 35. It says, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. To live with a new purpose is to love one another like he loved us. This is how the world will know that you're my disciple, not by the number of tithe checks you've written, not by the number of times you've served in the nursery, not if you want the speed limit on the new loop or not. None of that stuff will show that you're his disciple. But how well do you love one another? You can't live a life of purpose for his kingdom and and live a life without love. If you can walk by a person that's suffering in need and not love them as a brother, man, we got to look at that. Our love is what will determine it. We have to love without expectations. We have to love without limits. Have you ever loved somebody because you expect them to do something in return? You expect that they'll change? You, you know, we talk about living lives on purpose. You bring people into your home. You share your finances with them and you do it 
sometimes you can do it with expectations. And when you do it with expectations, that's not doing it for the Lord. That's doing it so that everybody else knows that you do it. But we are to love in such a way that is unconditional, without expectations. And we are to love in such a way that is sacrificial, without limits. We have a new purpose, and that is to walk in holiness and righteousness. Self in the flesh must die so we don't stay immature children. To walk on purpose and in purpose with God is to walk a life that is marked with holiness and righteousness. We've been set apart. Second, as the second Peter, it says that we're, we're the royal priesthood. But we've been set apart. It's not by default that we're the royal priesthood now. It's because we've been set apart for holiness, for righteousness, right living, so that we can walk in the calling of the royal priesthood. A church that does not preach righteousness and holiness is missing it. We fall short, and that's where grace comes in. But our lives have to be marked with holiness. We, we can't be people that's just like everybody else. I, I mean, I mean, like, like stores are shutting down because there's so much theft right now. You know, like Target's closing stores, Walmart's closing stores, and, uh, which I'm glad because maybe it'll get rid of the self-checkout and we can actually like. But, but that's what's happening is like there's so much theft now. They're, they're losing more money than they've ever lost because of, of theft. We have to be people that are marked with holiness that aren't going to look like the rest of the world. Where I, I don't care if the rest of the world is going that way, we're not going to do it. We are set apart for a greater purpose to build his kingdom. And can I say to... To live in this new purpose is to walk as a son. We've said it over and over. It's not easy or comfortable. To walk as a son is not easy and it's not comfortable. But it's the path forward. He says in verse 11, 9, 9. But now since you know God or rather have become known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements? Do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? To go back to an immature child, to a slave, is to go backwards. Back to the things that used to enslave us. And I'm saying the path forward is not easy and it's not comfortable. But that's the path that we've been called to go on. To walk as a son. In Numbers chapter 14, when they sent the spies out to look at the land, to look at the promised land, they go and they look at it and they're like, oh man, that land is perfect, but there's giants in there. And they come back and they go, hey, you know what? Uh, we're, we're not going to do that. Why don't we just go back to Egypt where we know it was comfortable, right? Back to slavery. Why don't we just go back there? And Moses is like, what are y'all doing? Now? What are you talking? And they said, hey, hey we're going to elect our own leader. We'll find another leader that will take us back to slavery. And I'm telling you right now, there's lots of leaders in this world that will take you back to slavery. You want to go backwards. Backwards is not acceptable anymore. The path forward is not easy and it's not comfortable. But it's the path that you've been called to. It's narrow. But it leads to life. 
Romans 8, 14 through 17. Can, can we flip there? I don't think I put that in. Let's go with this Bible here. Put Romans after Acts. That's weird. Romans 8. Fourteen through seventeen. For all of those led by God's Spirit are God's Son. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, and if children also heirs and Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. This one's tough. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may be, so may also be glorified with him. We did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into it. A, a, a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. To walk as a son is to go forward. To fall back is to fall back into fear. To, go, to be afraid of God's approval, to be afraid of God's presence, to be afraid of his intimate knowledge of you. To be a son goes, he knows all those things. Yet while I was still a sinner, he sent his son to die for me. That I'm already approved of him. I don't have to earn a thing. To go back into slavery is to give in to fear. To go forward is to, to go as a son of God. And if a son, then an heir and a co-heir with Christ. To receive our inheritance. To go, for, to go back is to go back into slavery. Can I, can I challenge you? I'm challenging myself. Can, I not, can you not go back to slavery this week? Can you not fall back into the ways that you used to be? To the habits and to the thoughts that you used to have? You go backwards and you're powerless. You go backwards and you're turning your back on the only one who loves you truly, knows you truly. If you go back, you're earthly minded. You would rather for a, a few minutes, a few hours of pleasure to shape your eternity. To go forward goes, man, I'm kingdom minded. And yeah, I'm going to miss those Dr. Peppers. But man, what a glorious day it is to say that nothing has a hold on me. If we go forward, then we're kingdom-minded. Because when we go backwards, we go back into a, to that slave mindset and we're afraid of God. When we go forward as a son, we rejoice with him because we are co-heirs with him. We share in his glory, if indeed we suffer with him. You see, because if you're afraid of him, if you're afraid of being judged... You'll only go so far with him. But if it's your dad, I mean, who do you want to go to a movie with? A judge or your dad? Your dad. Who's going to go to a ball game with you? The judge or your dad? Your dad's going to go with you. When we fall back into slavery, we go back into fear. Fear of God and of his judgment. There's no fear of his judgment. It's all been poured out. The wrath of God has been poured out on Jesus. We don't have to be afraid of God anymore. But now we get to draw near and we get to call him. Can you imagine how blasphemous this was? 
they, they weren't even allowed to pronounce his name, Yahweh. And Paul says, hey, that guy that you can't pronounce his name, you can't speak or utter his name, you now get to call him the most intimate name there is. Abba, Father, Daddy, God. The path forward is a path with your father. The path backwards is to a taskmaster who will enslave you. He will chew you up and spit you out. And he won't care what happens to you or your family. Sin is a big deal. Sin destroys families. That's why we're called to holiness and that's why we have to walk in the boldness of a son. Will you go forward today in your new identity, in your new hope, and in your new purpose? Are you committing to the Lord today to say, man, I, I don't know what it is. It's not easy and it's not going to be comfortable. I don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow. But, but I'm not going back. The cost is too great. It, 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 it's like you're, you're trying to find a restroom for the kids, and if you pass it, the cost is too great to turn around. You just got to keep going to the next one. You can't turn around. Sometimes the cost is too great if you don't turn around, but that's irrelevant. We've digressed. Will today, will you commit and set your mind to go forward? Have you put your faith, maybe there's somebody in here that says, man, this all sounds great, but I haven't done any of those things yet. Start today. Put your faith in him, your hope in him. Whoever believes in him, whoever, all you have to do is says this, to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you will be saved. And then you walk in that new identity, that new hope, and that new purpose. Are you ready to go forward as a son? Can I pray and I'll dismiss us? Father, we just thank you for your word, the Bible, the without error, pure and perfect, that it shapes us, that, that it, it molds us into who you want us to be. And we thank you for your word to bring to light the truth Father, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us to, to walk forward as a son. Father, may every step forward, no matter how small it is, from this day forward, may it be a step that's forward. A step into freedom and not into bondage. A step back into bondage. Father, will you have grace and mercy on us as we try to embark on this journey together? Thank you that when we fail, you'll be there. When we succeed, you'll be there. Father, we love you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think there are three announcements that I should say. One is, all right, Bill Ministry. So uh, recently, I, I'll send out a text tomorrow with some links, but we've had uh, Josh is our drummer guy. Him and Lulu, they had a baby, Lila J. Lila J. Griffith, and uh, had her on Thursday morning. And so we, 
so Kelly has put together a meal train, and so I'll send out a link. You can just go on there, look, and see what it is. Or if you just need dinner ideas and say, oh, what was someone else making today? Okay, we'll make that for my family. Either way, you can use it. Uh, and then also Jonathan and Talisha Buckingham, he plays bass, also plays drums. They just had, they had a baby last Saturday uh, or last Friday night, uh, Easton, and so they're back home. I know last week I shared with you that he was in the hospital. They got released Thursday, Friday, Thursday, I believe, uh, out of there, and so everything's going well, and uh, so, but they could use some meals, as could the Griffiths, so let's please uh, sign up on that when I send that out. The next one is instant mashed potatoes. Anybody bring mashed potatoes today? Come on, people. We got 150 boxes. I didn't raise my hand either, so next week, there will at least be some, and they will be from me, uh, and then last one is, uh, I'm not going to say it. Last one is Miss Lisa. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, we are having a mama's brunch on October the 10th here at the church. Not 10th, 14th, 10 a.m. Here at the church. Um, it's for all mamas, any stage of life, whether your kids are grown and out of the house or you have tiny little ones or school age, please come. We had a brunch back in April, I believe, um, and it was so much fun. My house was bursting at the seams, so we're going to host it here now. Um, it is just an awesome time to get together, be encouraged, um, be strengthened, eat some yummy food, and um, just relax. There will be childcare, so if you need somebody to watch your kiddos, there will be some awesome ladies here um, taking care of the kids. And um, it's going to be a potluck kind of style, so everybody will just bring something. But if you will, sign, if you will scan the QR code with your phone... Or there's a QR code in the lobby if you miss this one. Um, you can register, and that way I can send you an email to sign up for the potluck. And also, um, if you need childcare, you can sign up there too. So I really hope you can come. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, thank you, thank you. As you mentioned, if you have kids in those lifestyles, what if you have kids in all of those seasons? Does that qualify? Yeah. Moms can come to that too. All right. We love you guys. Thank you for coming. And uh, look for that text so you guys can sign up for Mill Train. As you walk out, just keep walking. Don't let me hold you up. Camp outs this weekend. We've talked about it a lot. Hey, it's going to be fun. I think I'm spending the night in a tent. So you want to find my tent, stay away from me. I snore really loudly. So, but we'll see you guys out there.